Hello and welcome to Don't Tell Me What to Do, the astrology podcast. I'm Lisa Kiss, your host, and I'm also an astrologer, teacher, and conscious business guide. This podcast is named after one of my favorite sayings and expressions to live your life. We're all here to experience life in our own unique ways. So keep listening to explore different views of living life through astrology, business, and personal development as we go through the Zodiac seasons together and with our guests. Okay, so thank you, Sarah, for being here. Did you want to just do a quick intro about who you are before we dive into your astrology chart? Absolutely. Well, thank you, first of all, Lisa, for having me. Um, I shared before the listeners could hear, but I was so honored and excited that you invited me to have this conversation. Um, So I'm Sarah Jenner. I'm the executive director of Mindful Employer Canada, and we are a national nonprofit who focuses on developing um, leadership courses to really support leaders in the workplace because leadership is really freaking hard (laughs) it's it's can be so isolating and it can be um full of fear fear of making the wrong decisions fear of saying the wrong thing fear of um affecting other people in negative ways and so we saw that and I personally experienced it as an employee and as a leader and so we've just been developing courses to really help leaders take proactive action in the workplace okay yes I I love what you do I think it's so needed and I also just love the name of your company as well Thank you. I can't take credit for the name of the company because it actually all started in the UK. There was Mindful Employer UK was the beginning. um, And they approached us in Canada and asked if we were interested in opening our own chapter here. And I too was like, I love this name. It's so like intentional. It flows with kind of who I am as a person. So I'll give all credit to Mindful Employer UK. I I'm very grateful to them for letting us borrow the name. Okay, awesome. Okay, so I want to dive into the chart. So you've never Mm -hmm. seen it before, but you probably know that you're a Pisces. Yes. Pisces sun sign. (laughs) So how do you relate to anything you've heard about being a Pisces? Oh my gosh. Um, Well, I would say some of my most peaceful places or that I go to when I need to find peace is definitely around water, any kind of body of water. I find uh, deep solace there. I am very like ebb and flow with life. I don't like being tied down or restricted to one specific thing or idea. Um, I don't like not that I don't like following the rules, but I, um, I don't like being constrained in any way. And so, yeah, that's my Pisces. I mean, I'm an introverted extrovert is how I would describe it. And, um, I very much love being around my people and supporting my people. And, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's me in a nutshell as a Pisces. Okay. (laughs) I love Pisces energy. I have my Pisces moon. So like, it's just, this will go up during Pisces season, but Pisces season is in like 10 days. So it'll feel much more like flowy at the end of February. Mm. I I feel like, um, 
but like the way like where your sun is placed in the chart it's also in like the house of Pisces so it's like an extra layer of the Pisces flowiness or like the dreaminess added (laughs) nice (laughs) and then you have a Taurus your moon is in Taurus interesting it's almost like I don't know if you feel like you have an inner groundedness in Mm. you or you go to practical things if you're upset or if you're Mm -hmm. feeling not grounded you have to go to practical things yeah, I would definitely say that when I'm not feeling grounded, I go for either like um, assistance, like whether that's through counseling or like reaching out to a mentor or a friend, because I know that um, talking it out is usually what helps me. And then kind of making a plan, like a to-do list of next steps. That's usually my um, my flow when I'm not feeling grounded. Okay. Yeah, Pisces, Taurus, like together. And then you're also Pisces rising. So it's almost like your rising sign is like how you come across to people. So it's like you even come off Mm -hmm. like a Pisces. So you have all this like water and earth, which I feel like is a really cool balance. Cause I always just think of like a plant, the water nourishes the soil, but then like the soil holds that water and it doesn't let it like Mm kind of spill everywhere. So it's like, it's like a nice, soft, gentle energy. A lot of people who have like this, earthy water I read their charts and it's just like I feel like there's more of like a tapped in intuitive to all this stuff too Mm. yes I would say for sure like since I was a child um uh, I think my parents described me as like overly sensitive but definitely more like intuitive um but maybe yeah absolutely I would describe myself as also sensitive in a way like picking up on energies walking into a room, reading the energies and trying to like create a sense of balance. Okay. Yeah, that's that's definitely like a Pisces thing, the picking up the energy. But there's two things I want to, that I see in your chart that I want to mention just because of what you do for work. So you have, you see all these, like there's four planets in this, like like I call it like the Mm. pizza slice up here. Um. So you have, it's called a stellium in your 10th house of like career and work and public image. So I don't know if you've always felt like a strong dedication or vocation to like career or having like a stable something like to work towards or like Mm -hmm. always been called to, to, to have some kind of like, or be known for something within your work. I would say that I have for a long time prioritize my career and I like even mindful employer Canada if you ask anyone they'll say it's my baby like it means so much to me and I've always um, worked on aligning what I'm doing for a living with my internal values too so that I feel that sense of um, passion each day and that sense to continue to grow and evolve within my career so I would say absolutely (laughs) that very much aligns with who I am as a person and just even in the last couple years thinking about um like I'm getting to an age in my 30s where the question comes up of like children do you want children and I have to say that um in a way like this is going to sound very like 80s career woman but I really love what I do for work and I find so much um value and passion in continuing to 
dream about what I want to do later. I have a very like entrepreneurial mindset where I want to do lots of things. So I would say, yeah, that definitely feels like it is in sync with who I am. Awesome. Then you have a first house stellium as well. So like this bigger, like triangle here Mm. and it's in Aries. So you have Venus in Aries, Jupiter in Aries, then your North nodes in Pisces, but it's in the first house of Aries. And Aries is like the first zodiac sign. It's considered like the leader of the pack and it's very like Mm. head first energy. So Venus and Jupiter are like more fun planets. It's like things that bring you joy or things that like um, you feel lucky doing even, or like you feel like expanded energetically. So it's almost like, like being the first one to do something or just having an independence with what you do or being the leader or like the one like leading is actually is like something you enjoy doing. So. Oh, okay. That's so interesting. I actually, um, like my group of friends would call me the social coordinator. And one of them joked recently about like, what a gift it would be to me if I just had access to all their Google calendars to coordinate. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. I would completely agree with this. <laughs> yeah. And North node in Pisces is almost like um, going towards the like spiritual or like the other realms, like, like going towards that or like um, the, compa- the compassion and the empathy, mm-hmm. but then it being in the first house, it's almost like, um, you're like light one of your life lessons is like be like stand up for yourself in a way mm-hmm. but like you might feel very connected to your people and connected in your relationships but like remembering like your own kind of like boundaries and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that's um yeah and then just with north node and pisces there'd be like a south node so um i don't know if you've ever struggled with perfectionism being a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> That would be like the South Node in Virgo. A few people have come to me, have like the North Node in Pisces. And I just say that one thing and they they resonate, but it's like, how can those, like you being able to focus on the details help you like go up into the other realms or into a meditative state or use that in your leadership and like a, mm-hmm. like a positive spin to it? Yeah, I would say um, I, as... In career wise, I am definitely the individual who loves to like create the ideas and like work with the team to come up with ideas and do the plans. But like the detailed implementation is not always my strong suit. Um, However, when I am feeling like you had said, when I feel out of control, when I'm not feeling grounded, that's when I become very detail oriented. And I'm like, I have to have my to-do list. I have to have mapped everything out that needs to be done. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else you see on the chart that you're like, Ooh, what's that mean? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I think that I'm definitely going to have to schedule a time to like go over this with you and more like in depth to kind of peel away all the layers because it's just so fascinating. And like I said to you before, I think it's really interesting that there's so much on like one side of the chart and then the other um, is not like a wasteland, but it's a little (laughs) bit less inactive. (laughs) Yeah. It's called, there's like, um, I'll just stop the share, but it, 
someone did a study of looking at a bunch of charts and there's like only seven distinct shapes a chart will do and yours is considered the bowl like on just one side yeah so fascinating and like does that mean anything being part of the bowl (laughs) so your your bowl is like on the the fourth quadrant and the first quadrant Mm -hmm. so the first quadrant is like um sort of like about you your personality your values and then the 12th quadrant is like sort of um, like the transcendent thing. So it's like mm-hmm. kind of opposite in a way, but like the two that are empty for you would be like your relationship with others and then like kind of expanding and learning those okay. two. So it's almost like your soul's already mastered those or doesn't want to experience them. And your soul's like, let's go over here and experience these. It's so funny that you say that because I went to a palm reader probably like oh god six years ago and she told me that she's like you are an old soul and this is the last cycle of your soul that you're in your final cycle which I thought was interesting too being born in Pisces and like the last sign in the calendar so I'm like oh that's all so fascinating how it kind of connects together yeah okay I would be like so a little scared if someone said this is my last soul cycle through but but I mean I think for some it could be really terrifying um but the way I looked at it is like I'm very much a believer in like reincarnation and that like once this soul cycle ends I'll be born into a new one and that as you go through each soul it's like you level up each time you are reborn and so this is I looked at it and like a friend who was with me was also like, it's almost like you are in your final step to like, you're in this life, you're going to learn what you've been striving for in the, and that is still unanswered is going to be answered for you. And that's why you're going to start a new one. And I was like, Oh, that's so fascinating. Okay. That's so cool. I was just, I just gave a book to my mom. I read, it's called the old souls guidebook. I don't know if you've heard of it and I, um, it's really cool if you want to like check it out, but, um, the, this guy says you have like 10 soul levels. So I read the whole book in like two days because I was so fascinated by it. And I'm like, I'm soul level nine. I'm like, I feel like such an old soul too. Sometimes like I'm, I'm only 24, but I feel like an 80 year old most days. Like just, mm. I, I look at things and I just go like, oh, just that's not going to be helpful or something. But um, yeah, I it just get yeah, the old soul thing. I feel like is so true. Yeah, completely relate. Like I'm at a stage in life where I am such a homebody. Like I love being home. It's just like, my sanctuary I love spending time with my grandparents and like and yeah I I have completely embraced it at this point mm-hmm. yeah okay that's so cool that you mentioned that I'm some, like with the north node south south node thing in the natal chart it's like the north node is what your soul wants to do south node is from a past life so um mm. Yeah, that's cool. But I always say to people, like, I'm going to bring in past lives. You can believe in it or not, but that's just what the the charts is saying. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, uh, yeah, it's so fascinating to me. I feel like I tend to have a very like open mind and curiosity to when it comes to like astrology, tarot, um, palm reading, all that kind of like cool spiritual stuff. Mm -hmm. I was 
raised in the Roman Catholic church and it just never felt like it really fit me. And so I've enjoyed over the years kind of like expanding into other, um, other ideas and other options. Yeah, me, me too. That's how I kind of the, not experiment, I guess experimenting, but trying it all and see what kind of like fits. Yeah. Yeah. Like what calls to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So just on my list of questions. So I, you already kind of explained a little bit what you do at Mindful Employer, but Mm. how did you sort of get into it and what prompted you to like start it? And um, yeah, I don't know if there's like a past experience that happened or like you felt there was like a need for it, but I'd like to hear the story too. I don't know if I've heard it, but (laughs) for sure. I'd love to share it. Um, I mean, it started in a bar where I had uh, recently graduated university and I was kind of entering my first job outside of university working at a car rental agency. And I just had a very uh, toxic leader who really relied on um, like embarrassing, blaming, shaming, and like, and doing it in front of coworkers and clients and like district managers and stuff. That was kind of her way of, um, of getting people to comply to what she wanted them to do. And it was a really hard psych like phase of life for me that I was really struggling with it. And it just didn't feel right to me. And I was desperate to escape that environment. Uh, so I was in a bar watching a friend of mine play. He's a musician and his mom was there. And she had been working in workplace mental health for years. And she is just this like incredibly brilliant human being. Her name's Marianne Bain. She's, they call her the godmother of psychological health and safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was talking to her and we'd seen each other a few times, she joked and she was like, you know what? I have an opening, like send me your resume and uh, let me look it over. And so I did, and she invited me for the interview, and then she proceeded to try and talk me out of taking the job. And I was like, no, this feels very aligned with what I want to do in life, Um, because my background in school is sociology. And so I just find human behavior, human development, just the human experience overall, really fascinating. And I, like many others, have had people in my life who've um, really struggled with mental health and I've witnessed their struggle living with it in the workplace. And so um, this very much felt like a calling for me. And so I began working with Marianne and then together we founded Mindful Employer Canada in 2013. And then we originally focused on um, supporting organizations and psychological health and safety. And so we uh, had this charter where organizations could kind of publicly declare that they supported psych health and safety. And then after a year or so, we were checking in with these organizations and they were all feeling a lot of challenges in terms of like they had updated their policies and processes to support psychological health and safety, but it just wasn't transitioning down and they weren't seeing changes in like employee engagement. And so we really recognize that leadership is like, has such an impact on these things and how leaders um, show up in the workplace and whether they walk the talk and whether they truly live these policies to support employees and to improve psychological health and safety will have an impact and 
I know myself as a leader in my experience, like my first leadership role, I was, I was taken aside and I was trained on like different policies, processes, systems, but no one showed me how to manage people. And that's like 80% of your job. So we really looked at the fact that there was such a gap in leadership development. And so that's where we really started focusing on creating leadership development programs to support leaders to deal with like the everyday issues around performance management and conflict resolution and accommodation and return to work and just like creating a healthy, resilient team and creating an environment where people could thrive. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it's so needed. Like I am, like I've worked for myself pretty much since I was like 20, but I recently just got a full-time job. Um, in addition to my little ventures and I'm picking up things from like that I'm not used to like having to report to people and I'm like kind of tempted to um send them your information and be like I think everyone should be trained on this like just because <laughs> it's remote too and like being remote yeah. creates extra difficulties but mm. um yeah and then like my part-time jobs I've had I've experienced lots of different kinds of leaders where it's just mm -hmm. like yeah, I feel like everyone should take a, a course on how to be like a, a mindful leader or different um, like communication strategies. I feel mm -hmm. like it would just, if people, I don't know if I've read this on like one of your posts, but it, it's almost like we're all humans for like, regardless of what role you have in a company, like um, recognizing like the person you're speaking to is a fellow human being. And I feel like that would just um, like help a lot of things, but yeah, absolutely. Like moving past that, this is this, like Sarah is this employee, this is her job role. This is the task she's working on. And this is when I'm going to see the outcomes of those tasks and moving more into like, this is Sarah. She works from home. Like she struggles sometimes working in her office uh, because it can feel very like isolating. So she likes to check in with me once a week and we have a conversation and we catch up about like what's happening on the bachelor. And I know that her sister like has a son and his birthday is coming up and she like really values spending time with him. It's like the more you get to know an employee, the easier it's going to make those tough conversations. I think about my team and I think some people would probably your team like friends, but they really are like, we've gotten to a point where we'll, we'll have a meeting scheduled and we'll probably spend the first like 20 minutes just catching up on life. And I think that that has allowed us to become so much more comfortable with one another to the point where my team members, if they're struggling or if they need help, like they don't wait for me to notice they just come to me immediately and they're like, Hey, so this is happening at home this week. Can I have a little bit more time to get this to you? Or, Hey, I'm feeling some fear around this project and I need to talk it out with you. And it's just for me as a leader, having those moments is so rewarding to know that they feel comfortable and safe coming to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Safety has been like a big theme that's come up for me recently mm -hmm. in the last few months with it's it's almost weird. I don't feel as safe working for someone else as I do myself. I don't know where that comes from, but 
the word safe yeah for sure feeling like you can like be open and talk about things yeah Mm -hmm. and it could be just like a past experience that you had right whether it was as a child that you were like given a task by someone and maybe you were like reprimanded for the outcomes or as a teen you were somewhere and you just maybe felt like you were in a vulnerable position and that that I think what we try to bring forward so much is like you said, like every employee is human and we all have these past experiences that we bring with us to the table and you could be the greatest leader, but someone, you know, you can't, you're not always going to please everyone or not everyone is always going to see eye to eye with you. And if you can be open and curious, that's going to make such a difference so that you can really work with your team to make them feel safe and to let them know that they are supported at work. Mm -hmm. Did you want to share some communication strategies that teach and support like positive and productive conversations? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say I wrote a few down, um, but we recently polled individuals to see like, what are the characteristics that in a leader that make them um, so trustworthy to you? And the top three that came up were authenticity, honesty, and empathy. So I think as a leader, um, diving into those and listening to those three words, so much of that is going to be self-awareness work. So recognizing, you know, what are my triggers as an individual? And for me personally, my triggers are um, passive aggressive behavior. So the more I can recognize those in myself, the more I can be objective in situations and, you know, step back if someone's being passive, passive aggressive and seeing like, okay, so this person in front of me is not the same person that was in this situation like 20 years ago when someone showed me passive aggressive behavior. So I think so much of it comes from self-awareness and really checking your ego as a leader. And the way we approach that in conversations is before we start a conversation, asking yourself, what's my intention here? So is my intention to understand or is my intention to confirm? And if our intention is to understand, you know, we're coming from that place of curiosity. We want to know more. We want to um, be aware of what's happening with this person. Whereas if our intention is to confirm, we're already coming from a place of like, we're making assumptions, we're making judgments, and we're just looking for that individual to confirm that we were right in this situation. Like, we're not worried about what's happening with them. We just want to know we were right. So that's kind of the first step we take is to like understand what's my intention in having this conversation. And then from there, um, something that has been so important to me is listen to understand. And I think so many of us listen to respond. And I think there was a time where, especially like you think about high school, where if someone called on you or asked you a question, you had to respond immediately. And it's okay to allow those pauses. It's okay to take time to pause and to um, welcome those silent moments. So as a leader, not being someone who jumps in to fill the silence. If I ask a question of an employee, I want to give them time to respond because that individual may be asking themselves questions. Like if I tell you the truth right now, 
Are you going to judge me? Could it affect um, my opportunities for promotions later? Are you going to tell other people? Like there's so many thoughts that could be going through their minds or they could just be considering like, what is the most authentic way I can express what's happening right now to you? And they're kind of also trying to figure out the words that they want to use. So we want to listen to understand. We want to allow pauses and be comfortable with those. We want to be very aware of our eye expressions and our body language when we're engaging in a conversation. Like so much expression can come from our eyes. And even like the slightest expression can really just shut down a conversation immediately. So I like to just constantly remind myself of my intention. Like my intention is to be curious. My intention is to understand. And that way I can kind of like remain relaxed in my body language as well. Um, also seeking clarification. That's such an important part of listen to understand is that when you, when someone has given you information, if they're providing you with um, in, not Intel, but they're providing you with their perspective or their experience with the situation, um, seeking to clarify. So saying to them, okay, so this is what I've heard from you in this conversation. Is, is that correct? Because sometimes, you know, the first thing that we shout out when someone asks us the question isn't necessarily um, what's true to us. And so when we seek clarification, we're giving them another opportunity to really step back and think about, is this what I truly want? Or is this what I truly need in the moment? Um, so that's all around listening to understand and it can be so hard not to jump in sometimes and like fix the situation. I think so many leaders are natural born fixers and we just want to, um, not because we don't want to make time for employees, but because sometimes we also hate seeing people struggle or suffer in any way. And we just want to fix the situation for them. I mean, myself as a people pleaser, it's just like, it was so inherent for me to try and like come up with solutions for someone. Um, but when we come up for, we come up with solutions for someone, we really don't get their commitment in a conversation. You know, we're getting them to try and to comply to what we're suggesting. And that's another huge strategy we use is getting commitment over compliance. So the idea of um, pulling an employee in and engaging them in the conversation and giving them voice and choice and asking them questions like, what do you need from me? What will best support you to do X, Y, Z? What are you willing to do differently in order to um, meet these expectations and really allowing them the chance to tell you what they need? Because if we can look at an employee solutions they're providing we're so much more likely to get their commitment um, to a change rather than if I as the fixer am telling you what you should be doing if that falls through and if it fails in some way in the end whose fault is that it's my fault and so as a leader you're just kind of you're stuck in this revolving door of the issue that I'm constantly trying to provide you with solutions. They're not working for you, which is understandable. Like we're all individuals. We all have a certain way that we want to do things. And so 
um, it's really engaging and looking for employee commitment rather than their compliance. Okay. Hmm. The, um, what you said about the, like, just, is it like just listening to listen and not kind mm. of give any, I just did that the other day with my brother because he had to, he had something happen at work. So I just listened to him talk on the phone while I like ate a snack and just was like, yep, yeah, okay. And I didn't try to like give any um, feedback or anything or whatever, just because I know sometimes when you're upset about something, you just got to like let it all out before just saying anything. Bent it, yeah. So yeah. And, and I was, cause like, I was just in, in that moment, I was like, okay, what would he, like, what would I want him to do if I was talking about something? So I just like stayed quiet, which is normally so hard for me to do. Um, and then I waited to the end to provide a suggestion, but I mean, he may or may not listen because he's not me. He's, he's going to mm-hmm. do what like feels good for him. So yeah, that's just it. And it's like, good for you for being able to do that. It is so challenging. I mean, I've been working at it for like eight years now, and I think I've gotten really good with it in a workplace setting. In like a personal setting, I'm still so bad at it that like if friends are talking to me that I'm trying to like um, come up with ideas or opportunities or solutions with them, I say with them, but I'm just like throwing it at them, hoping that something will stick. yeah, it can be really tough not to do that because, you know, we hate seeing the people we care about suffer. And so something that we do is we'll ask, like, is, is this a conversation where you want me to just listen and you just want to vent or do we want to find solutions together? And I think if you can ask that, then you're going to also you're not going to feel guilty later after the conversation ends feeling like, Oh God, I should have like, I should have helped them more. I should have told them this, like they're able to voice what they need from you in that moment. Yeah. I've, I've definitely done that with friends or like, or I, it's like almost like I can see potential in them, but they're not like doing things yet. And I'm like, Oh, but you could, you'd be really cool at this or you should go try this. But it's like, they're not at that space to listen to that yet or anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. It's different with my, my brother. He, he can tell, we both talk like a lot and it's just, I'm just like, okay, just go, just, just let it out. But yeah. <laughs> Cause talking is, can be so therapeutic, right? Like that's why they have dialect therapy is because sometimes people just need to talk it out. And I know like personally, I, that's the type of therapy that I lean to. And that when I go to my counselor, it's a lot of like just dialect and visualization and um, not so much like cognitive behavioral therapy where they'll walk away at the end of the session, like here are your exercises you need to do. It's just like holding the space for me to talk out what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, um, what I got to do at work is I got to lead like self-discovery January and talk about astrology and how our mercury placement can influence our communication style at work. And I'm really happy they let me do that. And the guy who's in charge of the, like, I guess, HR stuff, he was like very fascinated because he had us do like the Myers-Briggs test and this like, Mm. um, like true colors assessment. I don't know if you've heard of that one. No, I haven't. It, I, I was doing it and I was like, this is the four elements in astrology, like your, your <laughs> element that you're going to like be more drawn to. But um, 
I got to like, look, I was just curious to look at everyone's Mercury placements, be like, okay, that's how, why they communicate this way or they communicate that way. Cause I'm the same as you, where it's like human behavior is very fascinating and how everyone's so like different, but like, we're kind of all the same, but we're just like unique and individualistic in what we do. Mm -hmm. So um, it was very interesting to see with the team. We had air, air Mercuries, fire Mercuries and earth Mercuries, but no water. And water is considered that like more empathetic, compassionate side of things. But we had like the fast thinkers, the researchers, like the social people, and then the um, like the, I guess, facts, numbers people. That's where I kind of fall into. Like, this is the list. This is how it's going. End of story. But um, that was just kind of like fun to see. And I think it kind of helped. But hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's I think it's so great that they saw like what you're passionate about and they like welcome that in like because I think when we can look at our team and understand, you know, what drives them, what are they curious about, what they're passionate about, how do we bring that into the workplace, it just like shows how much you appreciate your team members. And look what came from that, like, some everyone who was within that room learned probably something new about themselves and like had a little bit more insight about who they are and how they go about the world and how they interact and engage and and then it gave you insight into your colleagues so that you could be like oh okay so so and so responds to this this way and that makes sense and having that understanding can help us become even more objective in conversations and then we're not taking things so personally it's like it's not like they're mad at me for this situation they're just dealing with it the best way that they know how yeah especially with like um slack messaging like sometimes the way people type it maybe isn't how they sound and just knowing like okay they're just being direct here because that's they communicate don't get offended by the message because that happened like a few weeks ago I was like if I didn't know that person I would have been like very offended by the message but I'm like that's just them and how they're communicating so yeah isn't it incredible how much we've had to evolve these last two years not being able to like speak to people like on the phone or face to face picking up their tone their energy and gosh the problems it probably caused in the beginning of like not understanding I too have had moments where someone will just like Marianne who was my um leader before she was just a really busy person and so when I would send her an email she would often send back like one sentence direct message of like this is what you need to do. And if there was an exclamation point in there, I'd be like, oh God, what have I done? (laughs) She's she's very upset right now or disappointed in me or like I did something wrong. And it's, yeah, it's like that lack of tone and ability to see, like read someone's energy. Um, God, it's so debilitating sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like, cause you're, you're very Piscean and then I have a little bit of that Pisces energy and there's this funny meme. It's like, don't text me in that tone. It, cause it's almost like you can feel the energy come through and you're like even sensitive to like the message, even though you can't hear them. You're like, Oh, I feel like something's wrong. There's like an intuition or something, or it's just an extra sensitivity. So I'm, I'm trying to like work with that, but I don't know. Sometimes mm. I feel like you can pick up energy through what someone has said but yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. Like there is one specific friend who like is very sarcastic, dry humor. And 
I found if we are having not like an argument, but like a just serious discussion through text, I'm like, I can't do this because I think you're mad at me. And then I get frustrated. And then I like, you know, in turn respond in anger and then it just escalates. And I'm like, I just need to hear your voice and see your face because I know like who you truly are. You don't come off this way. And it, yeah, you're so right that it's like the amount of spirals I've sent myself into over like not like misreading the tone of a text is ridiculous. The time wasted. (laughs) I've just discovered like voice notes on Instagram. So like sending a voice note is much easier for me than typing just because I can be pretty like chatty or like rambly. And yeah, yeah, the voice, I'm doing this with my hand. I always do stuff with my hands, but like this is me holding my phone. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's like so much nicer to send the voice note. And then if you get a response from someone, you can hear their voice and it would have been so different than when they would have like, just like, I don't know what this is, like just typed it, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, I'm very like, um, I don't know, maybe it's the Pisces in me, but sometimes if I just like, I find myself lacking the social energy. And so voice notes scare me a little bit. And I have this rule of like, if we have not had a drink together, or if we have not like laughed together, then do not send me a voice note because it just feels so personal. And like the pressure I then feel to respond with a voice note, um, can just like, it can be too much for me. And I find that I'm so much better articulating myself through um, like writing or texting that I can like pause and really think about how I'm feeling than in a voice note. I could just like, oh, who, who knows what I would do. Yeah, I know you mean I only voice note like my close friends or like my brother, yeah. but um, if my mom knew how to use the tech, I'd voice note her too. But um I got a like a DM from somebody and their first DM to me was like a voice note. And I was a little scared to listen to it because I'm like, I don't know who you are, <laughs> but it was so nice. But I responded with just like, wor- like typing words. Cause I'm like, I don't know her. I don't know if I want her to hear the sound of my voice. So yes. yeah, it feels so like weirdly intimate in a way. And I don't know if it's because like growing up, I mean, I definitely had a landline phone until I was in like my, until I was 16. Like that's how I communicated with friends, but then like moving to a cell phone and like, even now if a phone number, if someone calls me and I don't recognize it, I'm immediately like, no, I'm not picking that up. Like I only respond to people I don't know through like text or email or LinkedIn or something. That's like, that's my comfort zone. Yeah. Oh man, all the different ways to communicate now though. It's like overwhelming. I feel like it is. It so is. I had a friend recently who, um, was like, Hey, I didn't get your text. Why don't you message me on WhatsApp? And I'm like, no, like I don't, I don't want to add another app to talk to people on It, it. You're right. It's like very overwhelming right now between, you know, trying to use these different platforms to communicate with like just our friends and family. And then like, the work aspect of it too, where you have all these different platforms now, like prior people could only reach you by phone. And now it's like, they have so many different avenues, whether it's through Slack or email or telephone calls or LinkedIn. And, 
Um, and sometimes like even Instagram now with DMs, it's, yeah, it's a lot to manage sometimes in terms of communication. Yeah. I feel like, um, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good with setting like the boundaries for myself with the communicating, Mm -hmm. but like other people like aren't as good or just like, I've complained so many times at work with these, the Slack notifications, like the sound it like haunts me now. And um, so I was like, is there a way that there can be less Slack messaging? Cause it distracts me when I'm working, like mm-hmm. it brings me out of that flow. And now I'm like, oh, now I'm going to go do this and then nothing will get done. And yeah, but it's, I guess like the new remote way, but mm-hmm. it's, it's can be very overwhelming. It is. It's like trying to find that happy medium of being available to work when they need you, but also carving out that time to do that heads down work that you're talking about. So you can get in that flow and meet the expectations of your job too. I can completely understand how that would be so distracting. And I think that for me, like having those conversations with my team members, just saying like, these are the times that I'm going to check Slack today, or these are the times I'm going to check my email. Otherwise my email is off because I have to do this heads down work right now. And I cannot be distracted in any way. And it, I think focusing on just like that communication aspect of just being like people had requested authentic, honest, and open and letting people know where you're at, because otherwise I find if we're not that way, it just leaves the people around us guessing and creating these stories in their mind of like, oh, I sent Lisa a message John Slack three hours ago. She hasn't responded to me. Did I upset her in some way? Like, did I offend her on there? And yeah, I know for myself, I'm such a storyteller in my mind and I get, it's a fun place to be sometimes. And then other times it's um, just hellish. <laughs> yeah. A few people have said to me, they're like, I can't read your mind. And I'm just like, like, they're just, sometimes I go with like the flowing of the moods. I feel like it's just my Pisces moon where I'm like, I'm just not in the mood to talk. You've done nothing wrong, but I'm just like, I'm over here and I'm just, I don't want to like associate with people, but yeah, having for me to like, um, even if it's just a simple one sentence communication, I guess, to express how I'm feeling or people, I don't know if they sense, I'm not telling them everything, but Mm. I feel like if I told people everything I was thinking, I'd get in so much trouble. So I just, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Sometimes that one sentence answer is all that's necessary, right? Is to just kind of like let people know where you're at and that way they can gauge how they want to move forward with the conversation or communication and in some way yeah okay do you want to share with everyone how they can work with you in mindful employer canada like my question i always have questions but like it's is it like courses that it's like all pre-recorded and like people do them at their own pace or do you do like live teaching workshop style things yeah so it really depends with mindful leader we're actually just launching um next month our mindful leader for organizations and our mindful leader for individuals so currently the way the program is set up is 
it's on demand. It's very much like you go through it yourself. And then once you finish the course, you're done. And to be honest, I really miss the in-person teaching and like interacting with people and energy exchange and answering questions in the moment. And so for organizations, we've switched it up to be much more comprehensive where now we have um, more assessments throughout the course. We have course debriefs. We are going to have um, like small group masterminds within cohorts as well. So that as they're moving through the content, they have a chance to bring forward their challenges or their questions. And they can also start to really build those connections within their organization so that they can build that community and start to lean on one another as well. I think that's such a um, a huge value add when you're a leader, being able to turn to other people when you're struggling and to, um, whether it's to vent or whether it's to um, work with them to come up with solutions. And then with Mindful Leader for Individuals, we're going to be doing something similar, but we're going to be opening up the program in cohorts. So it'll essentially be like a six month cohort where you're in with a group of 20 individuals and then you're all moving through each of the courses together. And we, again, are going to have those like small group masterminds, the live course debriefs after, just so we can ensure anyone who is getting the mindful leader certification truly feels comfortable and confident using what they've learned. Because I mean, I've experienced these strategies myself as an employee. I know how incredible they are and how game-changing they can be. And as a leader, being able to effectively use them with my team has been such a gift and it's really helped us to create this environment where we can all kind of grow and thrive together so that's where mindful leader is headed in the next few months and I'm really excited about it yeah no that sounds great I've always mm -hmm. I feel like I first found you because I found mindful like the courses and I was just like ooh, like I have a long list of courses that I want to take like I always <laughs> love learning something new and then I added it on there and then I somehow connected with you and I was like oh Sarah's the owner of the company okay and then yeah so I'd love to become like certified mindful leader but oh yeah we would love to have you I think it was very similar for me too that I started following you um because I was so fascinated by what you were doing and then I saw you were leading a like park meditation. And I was like, I need this today. Like I am so overwhelmed. I need this grounding in nature and you were incredible. And I just like, it was brought so much value to me. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. I love the, the feedback. And my whole goal is just to help people like, just be like calm, I guess. People mm. have told me that when they're around me, they're like, you seem so like chill. Your energy is so chill. And I'm like, well, thank you. I feel like I don't come across like that, but that's like my new goal is just like, if there's this chill energy, just to like, let it kind of spread, like almost an at peace. Cause mm. I feel like the world needs just more like calm and peaceful energy, but yeah, the park meditations. I don't know if I'm going to do park meditations this year, but mm -hmm. I want I did a meditation at Lavender Field and it went wow. so well. So oh. I'm going to like connect with them and I want to do them with the moons though. So I want to call them lavender moon meditations. Cause I think Oof, it's love that. I love that so much. Yeah. I'm going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'll let you know like we'll be the first one to know when it's like the dates are picked but perfect (laughs) thank you um oh sorry you asked how people could um find out more about mindful employers so we obviously have a website like every other organization out there now it's just mindfulemployer.ca um and then we also have our instagram page at mindful employer canada and we're pretty active on there if you know, you're someone whose organization doesn't necessarily have like a learning and development budget, or you're an entrepreneur and you just don't have the funds right now to invest in a course. We do share like a lot of tips and strategies on there as well that can help you in your leadership journey. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of helpful like infographics I've seen. Mm. I think I probably have like a few saved. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. Okay. I'll have to tell Jill. Jill's part of our team and she is our social media manager. So I'll have to let her know. She, I love sharing that kind of feedback with her. Yeah. Okay. I'll link everything though in the show notes so people can go and explore and then go follow you. But um, thank you so much for uh, being a guest on the podcast. It means so much to just have like a someone with just like this beautiful Pisces energy who brings like a calmness to this. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing that natal chart insight with me. I've never had a natal chart reading before. And so um, it was so cool to kind of like get a a deeper dive into who I am and what makes me tick. I love doing the intros with astrology because um, I go through that and always what the person is doing is like connected to their chart. So it's almost like, mm-hmm. it's just like cool connections. If I say like, if you want to learn astrology, just go through the podcast interviews and you'll hear like air, the Aries season interviews are so different from the Taurus season interviews. Cause like we like embody the energy, whether we like realize it or not, but and we need, oh my gosh. we need a person from like all the 12 to come together. So it's like balanced energy. Right. So yeah, that is so cool. I'm going to have to do that now. That sounds so incredible to just like be able to read into those and how everyone approaches these interviews in a different way. Yeah, like Aries, the I did four Aries season interviews last year and you can like hear their fire come out and then you listen to Taurus energy and you're like, oh, I feel so calm listening to yeah. these. <laughs> <He's> totally flipped. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Again, like I am so appreciative of you sharing this opportunity with me and I'm so stoked to have been able to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'd love to hear from you on Instagram or by leaving a rating or review. It would also mean the world to me if you subscribe to this podcast, if you enjoy today's episode. If you'd like to support the podcast and continue to discover the don't tell me what to do vibration, there are three different ways. You can keep listening to these podcast episodes that I put out weekly. You can also purchase the subscription version of the podcast, which is new for exclusive episodes, or you can purchase my book, which has the exact same name as this podcast. So with so much love and gratitude, see you very, very soon in the next episode.